turned out to be completely unreliable assholes. Timothy Aslan, hello. Hello, Ryan McDuffie. Here we are. E.T. touching. Back in the car again. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome you. Welcome to everyone else listening to episode 29. So close to 30. Wow. Episode 29. It's like we're almost a mature adult. Yeah, exactly. Almost, almost. Yeah, you know, 28, 29, you really start to feel like you're getting, you know, a grasp of the world and who you are. And yeah. Tim, can you say, can you tell us episode 29 of what? Of this horror podcast that we like to call Dismembering Horror. It's a podcast. And there's two dudes. Yep. <laughs> like, I'm Ryan McDuffie. Like every other podcast. And I'm Tim Aslan. And we're, we just talk about stuff like a, specifically a horror film that we watched. Yeah. A horror film that we wanted to see that you ideally maybe submitted to us and wanted to hear us talk about, but we dismember it, meaning we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us. Whoop, there goes a hand. Oh, and anything interesting or noteworthy. Lop, there goes a head. I might lop a head off of this movie. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Uh, it means that I want to dismember it, like, pretty hard oh yeah let's just get a good <laughs> good satisfying swipe at the head to it yep and then because i mean i guess why i asked you is that can mean a good or a bad thing it or can. both or it's it, it can a- depends act- on whose head it is i guess i guess it actually means neither it means you just want to get in there and just <gasps> let's pick it apart dead and buried Sharpen my that's what we're watching axe. i just said the name of it <gasps> dead and buried mm-hmm. have you heard of it i hope so i don't think i i think i came across this on a list like some you know I also movies, think horror movies that you haven't seen that you should see. I may have come across it just looking at Shudder and what I wanted to watch on Shudder too, because that's where we watched it. That's where it lives. Oh yeah, and I, when we turned it on, I was like, I've seen this, but I realized I had only watched the opening scene. Oh, okay. And I don't know if that was because, I don't know, I don't know how that I came about it, but either I started it and stopped it because I thought it looked bad, <laughs> which is possible. Or I just didn't have time to watch it. I yeah. was like, whatever. So, but then we watched it for real, so. Yeah. Well, I've said it before. Can I say it again? And then we'll get into it, what the name is. Yeah. All right. No. Yes. Yeah. Okay, no. you can. No, no, no. From 1981, <laughs> this week, we watched Dead and Buried. From the creators of Alien, terror brought down to Earth. so intense it will stay with you to the grave and beyond welcome to potter's bluff two murders dobbs both strangers two murders in a town no bigger than a postage stamp when you die in Potter's Bluff, expect the unexpected. I just lie still. I'm going to give you something. It's going to make you feel even better. What the hell is going on in this town? Our killer maniac is loose out there. First murderers, now body snatching. My God, I can't believe it. 
Potter's Bluff. A nice place to visit. But you wouldn't want to die there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We sure did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about a summary? Ooh, okay. In the sleepy New England town of... Fuck. Something Porter fucking... Pottersville. Potter, no, wait. Potter's <laughs> Bluff. Pl- Potter's Bluff. Got it. <laughs> I was joking because it's not... Uh, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. So in Potter's Bluff, um, Dan, the chief of police, has come back from an uppity education in criminal law. So he's the outsider. And uh, mysterious murders start occurring and he has to figure out what the fuck's going on and it's also yeah, and it's the paranoia of like am i the only one who thinks this is a big deal right yeah yeah so this is an old trope i mean it's sort of like the what's going on in the town am i crazy or is the town crazy mm-hmm. um the town is crazy <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> but that's kind of it i mean what was that? Spoiler alert? Yeah, we don't even What do you bother. mean? What does that mean? I don't get it. Yeah. You shouldn't. What's a spoiler, There's nothing Tim? to get. Well, it's a thing you put on the back of your car. Okay. If you're super cool. So then what does that make a spoiler alert? Because I hear people saying it a lot these days. I'm, I just have no idea what they're talking about. Well, we're hoping that you watched this and if you didn't you don't care that we're just going to tell you what happened why are people saying it so much because it's a thing it's a cool thing to say why do i hate things (laughs) i don't know (laughs) why don't why don't you love everything ryan it's you know i do love i it's that it's that i feel like i'm i'm like the the original hipster i love everything (laughs) and then everyone then loves it and then i'm like well, then why do you make fun of me when I liked it first? Like, Oh, it's big, resentment. Big you sunglasses. Resentment. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. I resent everybody. Yeah. So I'm with that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Tim resents everybody. Oh, man. Well. Uh, that's well, a good summary, though. Yeah, I mean, what else can you say without just sort of... <sighs> given the whole thing away no i mean we don't want to the point of our summary is just to sort of what was our give a little perspective we're hoping you watched it but there's just a little context for if you hadn't but more so there's a little of like how we viewed this movie because it's our subjective. actually yeah and i mean in in making this summary fairly fairly simple that is kind of reflective of how i felt about the movie as a whole to a certain degree Mm -hmm. you know but, you know, I, I didn't hate it. What what would you rate it? Oh, we're rating it now? Yeah. Okay. I rated it a hearty, hearty rent it. I, Ooh, it, really? It, it lived up to sort of my hmm. base expectations of like, I want this to at least be this certain level. And it was. Like, for me, it was just kind of that, there's that threshold of something being like, great, great. Yeah. Like, uh, and and then sort of put it, you know, in the framework of other sort of late 70s, you know, 70s films. This is 81, but it does not feel, it feels like definitely a 70s film. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? I, I do. But like, 
Oh God, do I? If the just directing wise, it was just held back that little little bit, but it felt like you know, kind of the poor man's, the poor man's John Carpenter, or like, uh, sure, yeah, Philip yeah, Kaufman yeah, yeah. directed one of my favorite seventies um, horror or horror movies, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, oh, yeah. right. um, the seventy eight one, and it it. So, so it had so much I loved in it. I loved the actors, the story, the writing, the setting. Why the are mood, you getting into what pacing, you liked already? Deaths, because this is my in summary <laughs> review. You know, damn it. Okay, yeah, go. Um, why I gave it a rent, a rent That's it fair. With an exclamation point. But it's it was just like it was just kind of something in the directing just was lacking in that mm-hmm. little little bit. But because of all those other things, specifically the kind of style of the film that it ended up being that is like you either are on board with that and you aren't and that the style that this film ended up being like really appeals to my sensibilities like i'm very forgiving for a film of this you would you would watch this again more than one more time yes that's interesting okay cool yeah i loved i liked going there it'd be like if someone hadn't seen it and i know they also kind of liked this vibe of film i'd uh i'd love to share it with them cool i don't feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I just think stream it. it. It just doesn't. It it doesn't have enough execution of what I like for me to rent it again. Like I probably I don't know if I'll ever watch this again. Maybe one more time, but that's about it. So it just doesn't for me justify renting or wait. Uh, yeah. Like I wouldn't pay money to see it again. Yeah, I just wouldn't. Um, so stream, stream for me. I'd like love to go see this at like in the new Beverly or something. Okay. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I see. Maybe. I, I do get why people do call it a sort of, a maybe a lost classic kind of film. Like if, if you were more forgiving of the things that I'm even not forgiving of, then I could really put it there. But as sort of when you are doing what we're doing with the show and trying to dig up at least, you know, maybe this wasn't the gold, but this was the silver that makes me mm-hmm. want to keep looking. Mm-hmm. I get you. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, hmm. Well, let's we... get into let's get into <laughs> what worked because I think yeah, I think there are things that I can parlay what worked into a broader uh you know, idea. Great, then let's do it. What worked for us? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? What worked for you? Work like a charm, Smith. What worked? What worked for you? Well, I got a a good list here. I don't know about you. No, I have a pretty good list. Um, well, what's on it? Well. So kind of what I was just saying or or getting at is I mean I guess I could have said this in the in in talking about how I rate it but I think that this movie it has so many cool ideas and story sort of things going on that I just wish it it, it all came down to execution and so I kept thinking, fuck, 
I would I would really like to see a remake of this. Yeah. A modern remake of this particular story, I think, would fucking be awesome. Like, because the story is strong. The story and the script for me were really, really yeah. strong. So so that by itself, the story and kind of the 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 Twilight Zoniness of it. I mean and like, you know, we've got a new Twilight Zone show about to start, which I'm very excited about. So it's like there's something about that style of storytelling that I fucking love where it's like, it's not just like, Oh, a little twist and turn. It's like, it's like the character's world is getting fucking shattered. So can we, and I love that. Right. So specifically speaking, I think the big moment of this movie is Freddie, the, the, so the photographer in the beginning who gets killed, um, what do you think it's about halfway through when a family pulls up and, and you know that they're pro- like, there's been a number of deaths, uh, murders already. And this family pulls up and they're like, they need gas and they need directions or whatever. And they walk in and they say, Oh yeah, by the way, we need gas. Where's the nearest gas station? And the waitress is like, Oh, Hey, yeah. Can, Hey, Freddie, can you go, you know, pump them some gas and it's the photo- the photographer turns around and he's dressed as a gas station yeah. attendant and it's like oh shit what the fuck movie are we in this, and also they just it, gave him that made up name that's right so that that moment singularly made me go oh this movie's actually because at that point i was like yeah it's, it's okay but it's got kind of whatever stuff going on and i'm not completely in so maybe it wasn't exactly a halfway point but that moment made me go oh shit, there's more to this for sure. And I don't know what it is. Like they didn't tip their hand enough up to that point for you to be like, okay, I get it. It's reanimated, blah, 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 whatever. Well, it was playing that tension of there's something going on. Right. But you just, you don't know. And even seeing him doesn't reveal what's going on. This is the guy who died at the beginning who is like, wait, he's not dead. Wait, what's going on? Right. And we saw him dead dead um, but well, like burned I mean, dead. it was that he was disfigured and, and that so so even just his sort of trajectory the moments with his character are so fucking good the opening i mean he's so weird like such a dorky actor i don't know if it's the actor or the character or whatever but like that whole opening scene is pretty fucking I'm cheesy a photographer. yeah and you know, he's kind of a goofy, goony looking guy and whatever, but he, he has the photo shoot with her and then he gets killed pretty violently. Like he gets burnt alive. That's fucking You're harsh. saying so many things I want to touch on and jump in on, Tim. Okay. Well, what I'm getting at specifically is another moment regarding Freddy that is fucking brilliant to me, which is the the corn he's dead right he the the they've staged his death the bus the his um not bus his uh volkswagen oh yeah volkswagen bus uh is upside down the van and he's in it and the coroner is coming it's everybody's just assumed he's dead and they the close-up on his like melted face and his eyeball is all fucking whatever gone and then he, he goes, ah, and he's, he's still alive. alive that is fucking that is such a brilliant moment and it's it's not like an uh, a, a new device like we've seen this a bunch of times and people still do I it, can't dude. think of when i have honestly so i can actually csi stole this i'm sure csi, CSI steals everything don't I, I never watch csi either 
But one of the only two TV shows I've ever had a role in, like for real, was an episode of CSI. And I'm in the cold oh. open and I'm a cop. And I'm I'm walking with Lawrence Fishburne and, and one of the other like CSI guys. And Lawrence Fishburne is like, what do we got? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we found this body at the bottom of this ditch. And, you know, he's dead on arrival and like whatever. And Lawrence Fishburne or the other guy's like, well, you know, did you tape off the area? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I'll get on it. That's it. Like I have like four lines or something like that. But in that episode, there's the whole episode revolves around this this charred body in the bottom of a ditch like near uh, and there's no vehicle around so it's like you assume it was a car crash but there's no vehicle so obviously it's a homicide got it so they spend all this time just kind of talking about their csi bullshit uh, like what happened and who is this guy and whatever and they're just around this charred body the whole time at a certain point they like go up to the body to like take a sample or whatever and the guy comes back to life he, he not back to life but he like jolts up he's like Ooh! so in this film that was so, so they've done it it, yeah. it happens in seven um yeah which I think they were stealing more from Seven than from this, but whatever. But um, you're saying it but still worked for you here. It's a really good device. I mean, yeah. it's a fucking... Even if you kind of... I guess you can never see it I coming. I didn't see it coming at all. Because why would you see it coming, right? It, As far as we're concerned, the guy's fucking dead. He got burnt alive. So, like, I think it's just a, fu- a fun device. And it gets... Ye- I don't remember, but I don't think they do like the the jump scare thing with this one where it's like a loud noise or whatever. It's just him going, ah, and we're like, holy fuck. Yes. He's alive. So I love all of that. Um, there was one other thing with, with Freddy. Nope, that was it. That's it. So I love Freddy. So, I love his character arc. So the <laughs> you, you said Twilight Zoney and then mentioned yeah. how that, um, the moment that, you used a set saying Twilight Zoney was when, yeah, Freddy, quote unquote, Freddy. We see him restored in a part of this, this body snatched town. Mm-hmm. So, so Twilight Zoney, I think that was what one of us said during while watching it. But for me, like it was that from the beginning to mm. Twilight Zoning, yeah, that whole yeah, opening yeah. section where you said it was a little hokey for you. It was, I, I it wasn't for me. I was starting to win me over in the intro because I didn't know I thought Freddy might have been our main character still. Yeah. So just his death at all. I thought maybe this woman that ended up killing him, you know, or the group Lisa? that ended up killing him. Yeah. The, it's the model who happens to be on the beach with him. <laughs> um, By the way, wouldn't you like if you were if you were just out on your own, like taking some pictures like nobody's around and a really attractive girl just appeared and was like, hey, what you doing? Wouldn't you be like, what are you doing, weirdo? Like, why are you just hanging out out here by yourself? Uh, I would say it less. Um... <laughs> you wouldn't call her a weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> that's my inner. That's my inner monologue. Uh, I, I mean, it's I like, just who, thought you, who am he... I as a weirdo to call her a weirdo sure. out here by I myself? I just thought it was so funny. It's like one of those times when you're like, this is kind of just for the sake of moving the story along. But I don't he... know. People are out at the beach, I like guess. whatever. So, so it was winning me over the beginning, and then you know, the kill. But, but then it was, it was that moment you described when uh, the 
the, yeah, when the body, what we, he th we thinks is dead actually screams where I was like so on board. And that whole intro, including just um, before the, the cop arrives and, you know, they see the body in the car, that was like, that's super Twilight zone for me in the best of ways mm -hmm. where you kind of have this opening bookend or the, the opening segment or whatever is kind of, it's just the jumping off point to the story. Yeah, it's, it's, not... it's the setting setting the stage yeah. thing that is, this is an example of it really working for the benefit of the rest of the movie. Yeah. So it was the that opening, like there is a mystery afoot, kind of the, the more drops of a mystery afoot throughout, and then the ending, which, you know, did the final twist Twilight mm -hmm. zone thing you want too. So that... that all for me is to use as a, a positive adjective over and over twilight zone yeah twilight zone it did all that like the disparate character at the jumping off point oh, yeah so good comes back and then we're like oh my god why is he oh is he uh, not disfigured anymore oh wait but there's this guy <laughs> who's actually what is he called jack albertson dobbs dobbs so, man, I had to put his name with an exclamation point. The Grandpa Bucket from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> his, like, yeah. character was so good in this. Like, I loved seeing him in something else. Like, I don't yeah. know what else I've seen him in, but he's such a good actor. You like his big, thick Coke bottle glasses? <laughs> yeah, <it is laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, the fact that he ends up being the bad guy was kind of just the best of bad guys. Like... Like the the device of using um, him listening to his old records, mm -hmm. you know, and it's what we we found out the name of it. It was um, Moonlight Serenade. Is that famous yeah. like old slow? Not I don't think it's actually Benny Goodman. Maybe it's Benny Goodman that song. Oh, I didn't look. Uh, I don't know. Um, and you know it. You yeah, know yeah. it. And I I remembered it from Big the movie. Right. Big. <laughs> they danced to it. Um, yeah. But like that. That could have easily made his character fall into like caricature or trope so I easy it was for me. Close, but I agree it didn't quite it actually get there. It actually drew me into like picturing this guy as a young man who had some sort of past, you know, hmm. that he it, it draw like you know what they say for every villain you want they're the good guy in their story. Right. This right, sort right. of just by something as simple as making him like this old music and playing it over and over. It did that job for me of like, Oh, yeah. I can see him sort of as a young man with a, a girlfriend that didn't work out or whatever. And everything looking promising and reliving dancing. It like sounds hokey, but this was just, just pulled off. And I think it was solely because of his performance and his, acting really really that's, sealed the deal i think that's cool that you got that from it because you kind of you went you went deeper in your imagination of who this guy was just on his performance him yeah. being obsessive about putting us when we first meet him he's like he's uh he says wait 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 for the song to finish they're like what an entrance he pulls up in his car blasting his <laughs> oh, old that's right, swing yeah. music the cops are like what an entrance and then obviously something important's going on and he's like wait, wait, wait let me just finish this song out okay yeah. now talk to me yeah i get you that's cool mm -hmm. i was i paid a little more attention just i don't know his uh physicality mm -hmm. which i like but and i think it actually it it it's 
it works for this character and for this movie too but he's really frail like you could i could feel that there are a couple moments where like other people help him to move like when he's looking at the body in the Mm -hmm. in the opening like he is helped down to the ground to like look into the van like and it didn't feel like necessarily a character choice it just felt like this actor's real fucking old at this point it, and frail it worked for me as but it works. the character because it was like the um, there's something to when you have someone whose profession or whatever is very hand eye coordinated or like very like you're good at it because you do it over and over again like for your whole life mm-hmm. where it's like what is that example there's some like pixar movie i want to say or maybe it was oh yeah it's in toy story 2 when we see the the there's like the old 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 man who like restores Woody, um, I don't remember this. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but anyway, go it's, on. <laughs> it's sort of like where you have someone who looks like they're just some super old person, but it's like when they go, they're sort of like you know the glasses come oh, down, yeah. their magnifying glasses come down, they get their little little tiny exacting paintbrushes or whatever yeah. they're using, and you switch into the mode. It's like oh well. Even though we think they're weak because they're frail, they're actually uh, an expert, an utter, an utter like expert at what they're oh, doing. Oh yeah, and and to be clear, I definitely never thought to myself this guy's weak. Yeah, there's just a frailty to him where it's it. it I think it works for the character specifically in that ultimately you see that he's holding on to a thing, but his body yeah. is not cooperating with what he wants in life which is essentially to live forever (laughs) which is such a cool thing to have a you know that's a great character trait for the fucking coroner yeah to want to preserve life so strongly to the point that he'll do voodoo (laughs) he said uh i make him look better than ever kind of thing and you're like i actually i have a, a the quote um one of the better quotes i think of his is a cosmologist gives birth I make souvenirs. <laughs> it's so good. So, you know, there's definitely good shit in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all the deaths and the, oh in particular, the effects of the deaths, which it was Stan Winston, who's sort of obviously like renowned as. Yeah. When the you had the arm chopped off at the front of the car. Or yeah. Remember, yeah. It's just like, oh, that looks like an arm. That's right. Still and moving. it was, it was still moving. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the acid, the, I think oh, it's the yeah. doctor that gets his nose filled with acid. That whole gag is fucking great. And like pretty disturbing. <laughs> well, it's pretty incredible because you have, it's the conceit around the deaths, death, deaths too, that works so well and makes them so horrifying, both in sort of that, um, that for zombieism to work in this sense, it has to be a, what an extreme, a violent death. A yeah, violent death. So that means they're going to come up with some crazy novel way that right. we're going to witness burning alive, whatever, whatever group stabbing them. Well, and then the fact that with it, 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 it proves how fucking talented Dobbs is. Mm-hmm. Right. He. He had to get as good as he got at restoring how people look in order for his plan to work, right? Because Wait, yeah, I, uh, I know that's a weird way of putting it. But in other words, he's he's clearly the best at what he's doing. Right. Because in order for him to bring them back to life, the caveat is 
you have to die violently and more than likely be disfigured. But he's so fucking good at what he does, he can make them look exactly like they looked before. I so it's this character-building right. th- thing of, like, he's that fucking good. We, we were, I wanted to get into that, but we were, I was st- saying about the deaths still. I was said mm-hmm. that that was the one aspect that worked for me as far as, like, the deaths have the deaths themselves they have to be that extreme thing mm-hmm. so but then what i wanted to say was how it's also there's the um the the where they're coming from these zombies if we call you know call them that these non-people sure. um they're so cold and determined and ruthless in their approach like that the murders, the death scenes themselves, aside from just how he said how they played out, which was great too, like the, the their approach to the killing, like was really unnerving oh, and scary sure. for me. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's kind of like, again, like I saw this as kind of like the middle ground between a body snatchers thing and a um and a zombie thing. Yeah, it was an interesting middle ground. But there is like it feels like normally like that. So the hitchhiker girl, you know, right. were I was sort of like, okay, obviously she's gonna get killed. But I was thinking like even she um we're so we're so used to sort of this, I don't know what you call it except for like the killer's seduction, mm. where it's like there's that whole window that sort of like that sort of pulls out that tension of you know they're gonna die. Right. But there was something really horrifying about um about turning that that idea on its head and just having these people no, this is we're just we're just gonna kill you as extreme and it's like you even you wanted to almost see them like kind of enjoy the, the killing more because at least that would have been more human. Like when right. they're all standing around the bonfire and the guy humans. in the beginning. Right. That's what's so, yeah, That's I get what, what you're so saying. so unnerving it and is. effective about me was like, and then the fact that they're going against a whole family at one point, it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, no, you're just a husband, wife, and kid. Okay, but we're going to approach you the same way. Right. Yeah, that is cool stuff. I mean, I think, this is why I kind of feel the the what do you call it the bones of what this story and movie is are fucking really good. Yeah. Um and you know whether or not you like the execution that's a different discussion but like just at its core the bones are fucking working. Well talk about the biggest bone I think the whole conceit is just them going like you know, it hadn't been as long as it was now since the sort of those first zombie movies of like the 30s or whatever mm-hmm. the, that were that classic sense of the zombies, um, white zombie kind of being like, yeah, the voodoo hoodoo zombies. Right, right. So, so it was sort of right maybe at the peak, I don't know, I want to say, but sort of the dawn of the dead, like, okay, right. when the new zombie connotation. It was just this whole, the bones of this film were just saying, okay, well, what if we were to do a zombie movie again? That was the old, old school. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I dig, I dig all of that of saying like, let's go. Yeah, I guess like, let's go back to the roots of what, where this even started. Yeah. Just in this new 1980 context. Yeah. And it's cool. I love that. Yeah. And I think it's really cool. Like whenever you get something where it's like, I, I personally really love anytime you start to peel back the like the occult and like the that vibe of like oh there's this dark sort of um yeah. underworld thing the that witchcraft some, yeah witchcraft book. and occultism had a book that was and witchcraft. all that stuff yeah i just there's something really cool and i think it's because i'm like ooh, that exists like 
I want to go find that book. Like, mm-hmm. what does that book say? And I've never, I don't know, they, do they actually exist? I feel like they only exist in movies, but they probably exist, right? Like, people go get those books. I have no fucking idea where they are. But the idea of that is really cool to me. It's sort of like in Ghostbusters when they're like, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Tobin's spirit guide or whatever they call it. Yeah. I'm like, wait, is that a thing that they're referencing that's a real thing? Because I want to fucking read that. There like, are what is things like all those things yeah. that are, you know, yeah, I the love, books are real. Yeah, Right. I love that, you know, just that that exists. And it, it gets me kind of like excited. The idea of it is ex- well, exciting. One of the horrors <clears throat> that it extrapolates for me is you have this like, this this coastal town setting, you know, populated by white people, you know, or suspicious kind of thing. The time that it's in, yeah. it's like there's something off about it all. But at the same time, it's like, oh, but this is it's also a place where you could go vacation right. kind of thing. So then to have this totally other like dug up from the the bayou somewhere, you know, witchcraft voodoo book right. that's put in this new situation. There's that's what's so kind of fun and satisfying i think is sort of like this jack albertson character Mm -hmm. and then again like all his white people buddies like you never expect it but they are like are into hoodoo voodoo yeah well and and you know in a way it's the singularness of it because they in the in effect none of them had a say in this Mm -hmm. it's just this one dude (laughs) being into this one really obscure right, occultism thing. As he said, he made them, he programmed right, them. Right. So that's cool. I mean, we get this sort of the impression at one point with um, Dan's wife, Janet. Yeah. Um, that Because she's a school teacher and she's teaching this shit and Dan finds the, the witchcraft and voodoo book that like, maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, uh, what, what was it called? The, um, the satanic panic of the eighties that maybe there's something to that where it's like, Oh my God, it's this thing that's infecting, you know, our kids and, and, and the people of the town. And it's like, that's almost true. It's actually one step further. They're infected because of this one dude doing his thing. Yeah. Which is a freakier kind of idea that this one person could control everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think we should sh- – let's shift a little bit into – since there is a main character of this movie that we have not mentioned at all. <laughs> like Dan, like I, what? how did you feel about Dan as a protagonist? Great, but I had other things about Jack Albertson oh, until too. Because you love Jack so much. You know what? There's, okay, keep going I'll with Jack. bring those up in the moments. Okay, cool. Uh, when I get to those moments because I did have stuff on the lead. <laughs> I loved him. He was that for me. Again, you could almost call him caricature, but it's sort of like I didn't realize it was almost um, a sort of common like sheriff kind of character later on. He is the Every Stranger man-ish. Things yeah. uh, sheriff. Yeah. Someone who's the determined curmudgeon bear with a heart of gold. Yeah. You know, he's, he's sort of his... We are endeared to him because he's so on his mission... But his kind of flaw as well as his strength is that he's 
always use his strength. Like if something's mm-hmm. not working, yeah. he's going to yell at it until it works. <laughs> you know, like what you said, how you yeah. loved every time he ran into a uh, room. It's like, that's like my favorite thing. I have that as a note. Dan loves running into a scene yeah. and stopping mid stride. <laughs> he, he's not someone who stops and listens first. No, not at all. <laughs> he's barges in. But it was, it. but like you see that the, it's the heart of gold thing that was authentic yeah. and made me like him. Like at that beginning when um, there's a, uh, the, the one guy was trying to, oh yeah, he was trying to out the kid for smoking pot, like in front of this main character, Sheriff. And he's like, oh, he's a good kid. He just had right. a couple joints. You know, a little save the cat moment there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think he's most of the time a pretty endearing and, and worthwhile character. I would like to have gotten a little bit more out of him, I guess. Yeah, I think it was just his his casting matched the character so yeah, well for me yeah. that it's it's doing the job in itself. Like I knew he's someone who wouldn't cheat on his wife. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. That's an interesting I mean the everyman sort of character is I think it can, you can go wrong with it, but they didn't. They they kind of landed in a good sweet mm-hmm. spot with him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I don't necessarily know what that means. Like the everyman. That's why I was trying to be specific yeah. in those other terms of like. Yeah. Who he is. just seems like a, you know, a guy you know. I think is kind of how I look at it. You think he's affable, right? And again, kind of. Uh, yeah, he he doesn't really hide anything. Like you know what he's feeling at any given point. Well, and he's and he's not. You know, he's not so too smart for his own good kind of thing. He's he's kind of. You know, he's trying to figure it out. And that's what we're doing yeah. as the audience. And so having that, those things kind of line up where he's not so smart that he's ahead of everybody else, including us. Um, he's a little behind the ball, but he's working through it. And that if you can hit that in a right in the right level, we immediately feel like we are him. Right. Yeah. That's a good protagonist. You want to be you feel as relatable to that person as you can well yeah and experience like we were, we've talked about this a couple times now it's like when you can feel like you're experiencing the story through that character like you're you're going in a good direction well it's it's different from the kind of like the the more heady character like so yeah kind of what you just said this character he's figuring the information out because he's just diving into things mm-hmm. and then he sort of learns what he needs to know maybe just that second after, but like, right. Essentially when he needs to, he is getting it done. But also in a very human way, he's making false assumptions too. And then having those be cleared up. That's a very human thing. Yeah. So, um, but you could have that other, the, the, the more heady character who's kind of like, you know, the, the, the guy in Zodiac approach or someone Mm -hmm. who is like putting it all together and is kind of da, 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 da. And then like knows the thing before the audience does. So sure. This is to try to transition into the overall feel of the film, the kind of movie it is. But, um, it was the kind of film that had a pacing where it's like, it could feel kind of like a little too sloggy or, you know, not modern in the bad sense. But I think a big part of why it still worked for me was because of this main character having such being such a sort of driving forward force. Yeah, I never felt bored during it. That was one of the main reasons I wasn't bored during yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, because in actuality, story wise, there's there's not that much happening, but Dan is like constantly running around trying to figure it out, and that pushes us forward. Yeah. 
And that's, you know. There's, so so at the way beginning of this, I said that how there's a kind of, a f- this is a kind of movie that really appeals to me specifically. I don't know. It, it, it's, it is just that sort of 70s vibe film. And a big part of that is the pacing. I love it that it's not, it's like, I don't know. I mean, you know, I sound like the, the, the older person complaining about how it was. <laughs> I wasn't even alive in the 70s. But like nowadays movies, there's so many that are just, it's just like there's, there, it's go, go. It's like there's never yeah. any room to breathe. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean by that? I said this to a guy yeah. the other day who was like, I was talking about this podcast and he was like, well, what's your favorite? Like, what's a horror movie that I should watch? And I was like, well, the big, for me, there's like four or five big ones right off the top of your head, like Exorcist, um, Poltergeist, Jaws, uh, Alien, and I forget what the other one I said was, but, um, oh, The Shining. And he was like, oh, Jaws, yeah. Is that good? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, yeah, man. (laughs) It's even taking out the horror sort of classification, it's a good movie. Well, you brought... It's got a pace to it that you as a younger dude might initially be like, oh, this is slow, but it's not. You brought up Martha's Vineyard earlier today, Tim. Oh, yeah. And you were like, do you know of it? My reaction was, oh, I've been there because I've (laughs) seen Jaws. Right, just because of that. Like Jaws, exactly. Something that's that well done (laughs) is Jaws, but, you know, we're talking about pacing here and now. Like this film, it has the pacing. I can go to this place. Right. Like I put on the film and then the tempo of the room goes Mm -hmm. to here and that's okay. And I love it for that. And it speaks to the vibe of those little New England towns, Mm -hmm. you know, which I've just because I'm from essentially that part of the (laughs) world. I've spent a lot of time there. And like, it's true. It's sleepy and there's sort of a, there is a pace to those little right. towns and a vibe to them. There's, it's sleepy, but there's a yin to that yang and oh, that's yeah. the horror. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's very true actually, because if you, in those little towns, depending on which, which one you're in, like you can kind of turn down the wrong little alleyway and be like, Mm-mm. So that setting, though, that's too, a good, it's, that's a good feel. Yeah, that that gray New England coastal town setting, mm-hmm. though, that that also contributes to that feel. So if it's the pacing for me, it's the setting, it's the literal film grain and film. Okay, yeah, and it's the lighting too. Yeah, like is in such a way where I just I just love like it. Not only gives it the '70s mood I keep referring to all those things, but it gives it an authenticity where I can actually get into it in a sort of involved movie sense. Yeah, like I was always so skeptical of films nowadays. Like I always always defaulted to like, oh, and if I'm making a horror film and I want to be scary, it's it just always shoot film, always shoot film kind of thing. It hmm. makes it lends it an authenticity, um, which I think is true but now i've realized what's also true is i have seen enough modern examples sorry this is kind of a tangent but enough modern examples where it is like clearly shot in like a a good looking you know like an alexa or whatever like that um yet it still has an authenticity but anyway this is since we're talking about a capturing a specific mood like the film grain the look of it really contributes that here for me to that 70s mood i love it is it gray Mm -hmm. it was like even though it's like the blacks are black, you know, it's stuff is clearly has to be lit. Like you can, yeah. but it's weird. Cause like when we watched, um, Lake bottom, like I'm like, Oh, there are the lights that are set up right here. It's like, I should 
be doing that same thing where I'm like, oh, here are these lights that are clearly they need to like see anything at all on this, you know, <laughs> film stock. Yet it it does. I don't know. It works for me in the sort of yeah. stylistic sense well, rather than their lights here. The sense. setting, the setting helps it work. Yeah. Right. It's hard to get behind the like if you're out in the middle of the woods and there's a giant fucking light somewhere in the woods lighting everything you go mm, that doesn't but really think about exist. the moonlight but, you know yeah no i agree but you you see you see the construction of that in the lake bottom setting in here you forgive the construction of that because you're in a place that does have lights and does have moonlight and you know you can manipulate that in a way that makes it feel more kind of genuine yeah you know, you're in a town you're on a street you're in a house all those little things you know I don't know that there's something to like the lake bottom when it's so sort of clean looking. Right. No, then, exactly. Then I'm like, well, just our cameras nowadays, like they've done this. You literally don't need to light anything. You can expose in a full moon moonlight now. <laughs> That's true. Like, I'm like, just do that. Yeah, but then you have to schedule it on the full moon and like maybe the star can't show up that day because they're shooting. I mean, I mean, just to make a point, though. You know <laughs> I know, I, I know. Mean? <laughs> I totally do. Um, so... Do you have anything else? That's pretty much it. You know what else I have? Janet loves purple. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Oh, yeah. The wife's uh, clothes were great. I loved her outfits, too. Um, yes, yes. So back to um, Jack Albertson. What was his name? Dobbs. 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 Old man Dobbs. So good. Like, it's, I, I didn't put this down, but I remember during it, like, I, I just loved the story-wise of when... Um, our hero, the cop, Dan, Dan asks him, (laughs) well, how, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you do it? Bring people back to life. And he says, just, I'm taking it. I take the secret to my grave and then goes on talking. It's, (laughs) it's like, it's kind of that. It's not like it could be a plot hole, but there's people that just kind of like, that's, I'm not one of them who like, that's the, how of it is so important to it. But I'm like, no, it's not. Oh yeah, no, it's not. So it really isn't. We talked about this in something else, like the babysitter something. It's like just give us the little glimmer, open the book up, but and we go okay. It's a good way of saying like being like I'm. I I I know I'm telling you just enough. So yeah. Well, and like we were saying, like we've given that character enough other cool stuff and like depth that we're like or we're on board with him being like. Fuck you. I'm not telling you my secret. Right. I'm good at everything else. I don't need to fucking tell you. So sort of, again, like if we're figuring out that mystery of, oh, how does this work? It, you know, it makes us more involved. And uh, that was, that was, I think, one thing that helped inform what was the standout sequence of this film for me. Mm-hmm. Like if where this film is just, it's working in every sense. Like wherever this film was lacking in direction for me that we'll get to in the next section, Mm -hmm. this was not that. It was firing on all cylinders. I was drawn into how he was doing it, blah, 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 like I just said. Was the uh, single framed montage, the single shot, but over time-lapse montage of, of, uh, of, of Dobbs changing the face of Oh my God. The, who, who had it, died at that the point. the hitchhiker. The hitchhiker, right? Yeah, the girl. The girl. So it's like... That is fucking... Right. So so good. So so there's so many things about it that were working. Like, up to that point, it was also... It was that... 
I thought, you know, oh, what he, all he's doing is kind of like fixing things up here and there. This shows he completely stripped the face down to the bone and muscle and then built it from on top of that. Sort of like, you know, how they can, you know, recreate what a caveman looked like right. based off yeah. of his bones. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, you can, you know, figure out the face of that. It was, though, it was yeah. just the... the Again, this was the direction was so brilliant here. The fact that it was all that one shot, but it was the sound design too, where it was, you had a Munius and you had that sort of refrain of Moonlight Serenade mm -hmm. coming in, which worked for me in that sort of the best of a movie senses or in the best of a movie when it's like, uh, they reuse a song to, to like a really, really effective means. This was right up there with one of those yeah. you just hear da, 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 creep in and come back out yep. and it's a sort of drew all this like uh how is he he's glamorizing it like i don't know it played off of his insanity Ugh, i don't know it was so good I'm i agree it's amazing it's almost as amazing as the syringe to the eyeball <laughs> Oh my God. Thank you for mentioning that again. I yeah, forgot. The, I'm, the deaths are so good. Well, that was like, but yeah. Jesus, that moment, the syringe to the eyeball, it was like, I thought that was truly terrifying. You have the beautiful woman nurse who we've been seduced by at the beginning too, mm -hmm, like identifying mm -hmm. with that guy and having Requisite this beautiful boobies, woman appear. You know. <laughs> right. So she comes in dressed as the nurse and I thought, oh God, she's going to like inject him with something. And it was so... Oh, she does. Yeah. She does. <laughs> Right. Well, but it's so scary like i was feeling him when i was wanting him to live to like he was just about to tell the police officer you know or, or mm -hmm. dan our, our hero like what had happened but no she gets him so you had that suspense of like i really wanted him to live and then i thought it was going to be in this sort of undercut way and then as you said just stabs him in the eye yep. the syringe and they do not like shy away from no. this it's just like right in <laughs> That's, I mean, this is Stan Winston at his best, right? I mean, like, he designed these... Did he Stan Winston work on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said that earlier. Oh, cool. Yeah. He is was, is, was the shit. I yeah. mean, he's so fucking good at what he did. <laughs> That's awesome. I have a weird anecdote. I don't know if it's worth telling, but, like... Can I, you? I can make it really short. I auditioned for a commercial, and part of the commercial was getting, like, prosthetic facial stuff put on, so they they sent me to stan winston studios to measure my face and like i walked through his studio it's it was the most fucking crate like there are full-size figurines of all of the creatures cool. he's ever made and then i go into the back and i'm walking through the actual like um factory where they're <laughs> they're fabricating where stuff dreams are made and i'm looking at like them fabricating guns and armor and like monster pieces and robots and all this sh it was so fucking cool and then just coincidentally like two days later he died oh wow so i guess i i might have killed him by accident I <laughs> no i didn't um but i was really bummed because i was like holy shit i just had this awesome experience and then that guy died what a bummer well he did a great eye stab was, there he was amazing it was so the uh there were the little things like you know i was sort of alluding to why I wasn't bored during this, why, what kept me going. And in addition to all these other things we've said, one of them was just the little kind of like story plotting progression elements, like just the little sort of things that you're putting together as it go along. Mm. Like, oh, he has to develop the film. Okay, what's going to be on the film? Oh, right, right. Yeah. Like just little things like that. Um, the arm, once he brings in the uh, the bits of the arm that yeah. was severed and gets the sort of tidbit about that. What, what did he, when you do a test on... Yeah, testing 
just to test if it was um, skin cells and then like the age of them, I think was the It got scienced it. They had to science the arm. And that the the cells were um, four months old and not not just dead. So just all those things that like you kind of associate being almost in a good book, you know, that you want in a movie. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yes, there is a really good undercurrent of like the detective yeah. you know piecing together the mystery like the clues and such so that i love that that's i mean that's sort of i in broad sense i put this all under good it's just a good story yeah yeah exactly so i just needed to point out that it was in those the little the little what you think of as story senses in the yeah. sort of smallest uh micro yeah. sense the last thing i have to mention because okay. this was interesting it went from things of what didn't work to things of note to what worked cool it was how the zombies calling them zombies they popped up in mass out of nowhere i know it was like yeah. on the beach and how in the house know? were the two moments where it's like this so they're there it seems like they really are we see get a sense of the whole beach this guy the our, our, our guy is and the the woman the model photographer on the beach and then like as soon as she attacks him or, or no, someone else attacks him. It's like literally 50 people appear <laughs> yeah. and it made me go like, did they come out of the ground? Sure. Or like, that's interesting. It does give you that, that feel, even though they don't need to say one way or the other, well, but it does. They it's... literally appeared yeah. out of nowhere, that's cool. and, but it was just so funny. And I, this is what worked for me is this cause I loved it so much. Imagining like, imagine like during this whole sequence, you think you're alone and then you just sort of you know, the camera moves somewhere else and you see like all 50 of these people just like hiding behind logs and rocks, just like waiting to pop up. That would be amazing. Same in the house. You can imagine this family sneaking into a house. And then meanwhile, there's these same 50 people like tiptoeing along, like just out of sight, like behind everything, all like the corners and walls and furniture. Like, it's like, cause that's what, that's what it must've looked like in the uh, reality of this film. There's so many people peered out of nowhere. Yeah. Even in the reality of them filming it, it's like, okay, everybody get behind the camera. And so <laughs> to wrap back around real quick, Twilight Zoney mm-hmm. intro, the outro too, that final twist. The best. So good. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't even really mention Dan's, Dan's whole sort of struggle with his wife and like the film that he develops, you know, he sees that she, he thinks she's cheated on him. There's kind of a double bump twist of like, not only did he discover that she's one of them, which is horrible, but that she was cheating on him, which is also a bummer. And then just kidding she wasn't cheating on him. It was him, and he's one well, of that's them. So like, there's a there's this yeah. sandwich of just like oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, and delivered oh, in such a oh, way shit. where it's was so cool to see it on this black and white film that they're projecting. Yeah, like yeah. oh god, there was something really effective and nerving about the, the yeah, look it's of kind the film. of a super eight thing going on. Him seeing yeah his wife just you know as a non person yeah. like sleeping with these other non people yeah like in this film. But I mean that's the the ending twist but i meant the the final final twist of him that being... he's that he's one yeah well that's what i mean it's sort of like you you start these dominoes he's one of them and it keeps like each domino is like oh that's that's bad oh that's worse though that's really bad that's fucking really bad and then you think it's over and it's like also by the way dan you're one of them so yeah kill yourself uh <laughs> i i have to mention this tim so i love that that final twist so much moment 
Um, but I think I could have loved it that much more had you not called it the moment before it happened. <laughs> I did love, I? What I, did I say? <laughs> you say it's him or something like that. Like, <laughs> oh, I, he's one of them. I love. I love the way you react when watching these films gets me so into it, but I'm sorry I had to bring up like sometimes when watching it, if it's literal, you're guessing an element. Like I was so into this movie. Like I ruined it. I did not see it coming. Like I could have, you may have been seeing me standing up going, oh, but then as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, dude. (laughs) I'll keep my mouth shut. But I mean, it speaks to, I still like... I still appreciated it and loved it, you know, for that. I'm oh, that's right. Now. I think I called it when you you cut back. Well, they cut back to the the film footage of her having the knife in his back in the back of the person she's sleeping with. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, it's gonna be him, <laughs> yeah. and then he rolls over and it is. Yeah, so sorry. <laughs> so it was like, but I was. I got very excited. I was in the place the movie wanted me to be yeah, in, yeah. and that was really fun. <laughs> Um, you know, lastly, and because it ends on this, my favorite part of this entire movie is the fact that it ends with a freeze frame. <laughs> it's like Dan's like, no. Nah. Well, with that, can we transition into what did not work? Yes. It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> Well, I have the f- end freeze frame. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I just have a real soft spot for freeze frames. I do. They're so stupid. It, it could grow up. See, that was the thing. It was like this movie wasn't as bad as the kind of like I'm loving it because it's stupid and freeze frame like I have yeah. done in the past. <laughs> Sometimes it works, too. I mean, Rocky, you know, like. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> But yeah, this, when I said at the beginning, this felt like, like the level of direction was more like poor man's John Carpenter, Philip Kaufman. Yeah. That was a sort of what first came to mind was that end freeze frame. It felt very like, okay, I guess I'll do this. I mean, overall to me, and I think I said this when we were watching, I was like, was this, a, was this made for TV? And and it wasn't, but it just has the, the sort of, to me that, I don't know, maybe schlock is the wrong word, but just kind of low rent TV direction, like episodic TV direction where they're just like, they're just going through the motions. Yeah. Now to say that the whole movie is that is, is inaccurate because there are a bunch of like, like you brought up the, the, that sequence of, of rebuilding the face is amazing. And that's really brilliant direction. And there are little things here and there, but as a rule, the rest of the movie, sort of the the meat and potatoes of the movie in terms of direction, I thought was just incredibly fucking like baseline, yeah. boring, like standard. I mean, for example, one of the worst things for me is the shot reverse shot, right? It's like they're just taking a two over the shoulder and they are having a ping pong conversation where it's just like we see this guy talking, then we cut to this guy talking and this guy's saying his line and this guy's saying his line and then this guy says his line and then this guy says his line and then this guy says his line and I'm like, I'm going to fucking lose my mind if I have to watch this this version of how you shoot a conversation. It's like... It drives me right. fucking crazy. So that, I I totally agree with you and it's what what drives me crazy that it's like i don't like it but then like the sort of 
Another example of that, that for whatever reason specifically drives me crazy is when it's the sort of wider shot version of that. Like I love a good wide shot that just lets you observe the action, just kind of let it play out. But there's something so non-deliberate, kind of like the shot reverse shots, the non-deliberate about just, you know, he's just walking in the room. Nothing about the camera is revealing the inner state or yep. the, the, the tension that we should be feeling here. Like, you know, I want to compare it to the invasion of the body snatchers that I love so much, so much, but it's like there, there's this, there's such a tension and atmosphere just with people talking to each other of just that plays on the body snatcher thing mm -hmm. that both these movies have of like, I don't know who to trust. Like I'm suspecting everyone. There's such an unnerving element to that. And the film, like how it's shot the That's framing right. and yeah. the, the camera movement, all that, it's just, well, and it wasn't firing. Yeah, because there's sort of, per, there's a multiple ways, but there's a there's a standard sort of idea of how you progress visually through a scene, Yeah. right? The most basic sort of version of that is that you establish in a wide, you punch into a fucking medium, and then you get closer to each character as the scene progresses, right? And you end up getting to the root of the scene in close-up that's well, a very editing. Old, right that's a right but even in shooting you shoot all of those setups but in order to you're going to figure it out in editing right and so that's a very standard kind of way of of looking at how you shoot and in this they were like no we we i mean maybe it's budgetary but it's like we have we have enough time to shoot these two over the shoulders and those are it that's right. our only setup oh later in the movie there's like what you're saying there's a there's an entire scene in his office between him and dobbs where it's just a single shot wide the entire conversation and they're just standing in the room yeah. and it's like what like why are, it was are all we do, we're doing nothing else with this like why not right it was all especially tragic to me in that i really liked how it was lit as I already mentioned too. I know. Like just that look and feel in the film stock itself. Yeah. Like you have, you know, we watch those. There are those... like no close-ups in this movie. Yeah. There are fucking so none. We have those recent Come on. Argento movies, which is. Right. Maybe that's why we're so sensitive to this because we're like, that's how no. you fucking do it's it. It's because that should be the baseline standard. I, is doing, I agree. If you're given this opportunity, go all out. Yeah. But um, it's actually kind of funny because that's a good sort of shoe is the, the, the other shoes are on the other feet between Argento in this film mm -hmm. because like what was in deep red what was lacking so much for us was the story and yeah. the script yep and but how it was shot was the sort of highlight and this was Fuck, just dude. the opposite can you or, imagine this story shot by Argento I mean God, fucking hell this would be a way more famous film. oh I mean it'd be yeah it would be way way up there holy god damn yeah that would be so good be so good that's why I, I would love some. I want somebody to remake this movie. Maybe we should do it. Yeah. But like, fucking awesome. Right. Like, yeah. It's it was, got so much in it. Just there were scenes between the people where whatever, like how I kind of talked about before, things that I was projecting onto it was just because the performances were bringing them mm -hmm. out or because like the context of the script, like, oh, I know when he's interacting with his wife here, something is up. Like right. you said, their kiss was awkward. I'm like, I think that was not yeah. unintentional. Right, right. No, yeah. I mean, yes. Or it, it so, played so, to it. It played to it, for sure. Regardless you know? of the reality. But if, if yeah. the filmmaking itself was... Hit, so I've, I've, you know, fell into that. But like for you, it was like the filmmaking itself. Maybe you would have 
it could have done something to make it sort of support, oh, this is supposed to feel a little uncomfortable. You're right. You're right. In in so far as at that up to that point, I've already kind of determined that there's not great direction going on. Yeah. So I've now left the world of the movie and I'm looking at it almost I'm judging it almost too technically at that point yeah and assuming that anything that is unappealing is because of the direction not because it was intentional <laughs> well, it's interesting because like you have it's like I don't know if there's peop different people are attuned to different things more or if it's a sort of overall level of not being not being very forgiving about things across all levels but like i find myself being very much more forgiving to this kind of direction versus because you have the performances that mm -hmm. are still bringing me in you have everything that i mentioned that art is still firing but in deep red like whatever's lacking in the story and script again it just does not the, the direction did not make up for that sure. for me it, yeah yeah i mean hmm. i mean it's a lot of the time it's uh, it, it, it's cracks in the ice. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is once you start seeing certain things that are not executed great, the cracks just start to spider out. And then that's all I can see. Yeah. Like I get kind of on that train and it's hard for me to to appreciate what's working once there's so many cracks. Because then I'm just thinking, fuck, am I going to fall through the ice? Yeah. So... I think what makes, that's just my yeah you know, how I kind what, of operate. What makes up for for me? Like I can see. Oh, I just let's say like you just loved Yellow so much that the sort of story elements aside, it's still great. Mm -hmm. But um, for me, it's that I love this. <laughs> we don't have a word for it like Yellow, but these American seventies like yeah like uh, shot on film film like horror film tension film yeah I I, I love that in itself so I could still sure. get in on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really you. didn't have anything else what didn't work. I'm sure you do. Uh, um, you know, the only thing, there's two kind of little things that are just, I guess, technical. Um, I guess they are literally technical. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, there was weird dubbing on a couple scenes. Oh, I yeah. I just was like, why? I don't know. There's obviously a reason. I'm so glad it wasn't was all dubbed because there were whole fuck, some no, good performances the, It in was it. mainly the scene with the family going into the house. That oh, whole yeah. thing is dubbed, and I just, it it's bad. Maybe they were just using a generator on I, I mean, yeah, something something must have happened. The sound just got fucked on that, and they yeah. had to redo it. They had to ADR all those. Um, and then the... This is the other thing that felt TV made for TV or or um, or just episodic low rent TV of the era where it's like the music at times is sort of like leading the 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 tone of the story. It's almost the effect of like when somebody's going up a set of stairs it's like dun 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 like there was a vibe of that in some of uh, some of the scoring mm. that i just is like i wish it was just to just score it better <laughs> but then having said that the the main theme of the score not the, the song that you're talking about is really cool so you know i don't know yeah i think that's a kind of an editing choice that they were like oh we need to enhance this scene by like right. push the scene with the scoring a little I bit. I don't think and... it's so much an editing choice, but it's reflective of when there's something lacking in the direction that the music has to do more lifting. That right, sometimes... right. Yeah, that's a best better way of but it, putting but, it. But no, it's, it's more specifically that when it has to lift something and there's not 
there's so little to be lifting from. Like yeah. it's the difference between, this is the example I always use for this. It's the difference between John Williams scoring the original Star Wars trilogy and John Williams scoring like, you know, the prequel trilogy yeah. where it's just like, yeah, there you can, the original films gave you a moment of Luke going off and just looking at the sunset mm-hmm. and think about all that you can draw from that, that you then put into the music. But there is like, the prequels are emblematic of those moments being non-existent. Yeah. Empty. Mm-hmm. You know what we call that in the industry? Trying to shine shit. <laughs> Cause you can't. Yep. <laughs> so that's it. That's all I got. Great. Uh, oh, actually, sorry. <laughs> Cut you off. Did you feel this is only I, I'm mixed about this, but did you feel that the 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 staging of the finale where Dobbs is in his office and then there's all of these projectors that are sort of artistically put around felt a little overdone? Not at this point. Okay. I mean, look at who this guy is. I couldn't decide. Yeah, I couldn't decide how I felt about it. I just thought it was so cool visually. It was he, like, very snaps cool visually. His fingers and they yeah. all come up. But there was a part of me that was like, but but why? No, it, why it felt so that? true to his did kind it? of obsessive for you, character. It did for you. Okay. Him and Dobbs. Okay. Felt yeah. Like, no, I get it. that. That. Yeah. Dobbs and uh and main dude Dan felt, Dan felt like like opposite sides of the same coin for sure. me. They were the perfect sort of villain hero you know uh contrast okay and dobbs meaning if if he's if if the if if dan is someone who obsesses over things in such a way where he's just uh all force you know all force forward uh dobbs is someone who obsesses over things in such a way where he takes a lot of time and deliberation to Mm -hmm. then do big things based on that, including meticulously setting up and testing projectors. Like I totally buy his character (laughs) doing. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm with that. All right, let's go on. Things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. I have four things of note. The only super obvious one, just to get out of the way, there's nothing really to say about it. It's cool. It's the alien story team of um, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Chassette. So did you did you uh, dig deeper into that? No, I mean, I just know that's their other big credit. So what I discovered is that Dan O'Bannon basically said, I, um, like, I want my name taken off of this. Because he said that ultimately... Not a single word of what he wrote was put into the final script. Whoa. But you and can tell like how well the stories kind of yeah. extrapolated. He's, he said that he said that he the only thing that's sort of sort of still in there is like notes that they had discussed. But even in his notes on the script that he had worked on, he's like, none of my shit ended up in the final movie. Weird. Why? I don't know. I don't know if they had some sort of strained thing or that like whatever. I have Who no idea. Who took over? It was the other dude. Oh, Ronald Shusset? Yeah. Yeah. So according to O'Bannon, basically Shusset just did his own thing. I wonder if he was going through like, you know, Bannon's getting all the credit for Alien. I worked on it too. I got to. Maybe. I mean, they certainly took advantage of Dan O'Bannon's name being attached to it because when they promoted it, they were like from the, you know, from yeah. the creators of Alien. So I don't know. I, I mean, maybe that's just 
some sort of interpersonal thing that was going on. Who knows? What else you got? Um, I think this is really interesting. Because of how sort of well-received this was by at least a, a certain amount of people, and I think to the testament of how good of a story this is, it was post-film turned into a novel. Mm. Yeah, great. I could see it working as yeah. that. So that's cool, man. It's like there's enough meat like we've been discussing to be like, no, no, this this would be a really fucking good book. Right. That's... And they I'm, I bet that I bet the novel is fucking good. They could probably expand on a lot of these ideas and whoever wrote it. The assume... characters heads more, which yeah. then is really yes. a, a trip when it's they aren't people at the end. Yeah. So that <laughs> that seems pretty fucking wild to me. I, I kind of want to read it. Programmed people. Um. Remember in the opening town, I was like, where is this? Where is this set? Is it like Pacific Northwest or like, is it New England or whatever? It was Mendocino. Okay. <laughs> so they just found a town in Mendocino that felt East Coasty for some of those exteriors. Got it. So that's cool. Um, Mendocino, of course. Yeah. The last one I have is um, they were specifically doing a bit of homage, like trying to or attempting to homage to the EC Comics, mm. like aesthetic. And once I read that, I was like, oh, yeah. That makes sense with the part is like when it's the burned body screaming still yes. alive. Yes, totally. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's cool. That's all I got. Um, this was just looking at, you know, the, these different cast members. Lisa Blount, who is the girl on the beach, you know, who mm -hmm. makes such an impression and really does a lot to draw you in. Just yeah, she's she seduces you like she seduces this guy, you know, yeah. on the beach. Um I mean, I only mean this as a as a more sincere rest in peace, not as sort of like a oh whoa. But she died at fifty three years old. Really, it's pretty tragic. Mm. Yeah, she um, and the story is again. I don't mean to like, uh, what's the word? You know, uh, be, <laughs> be ghoulish be, about it. Be disrespectful, but more saying it hopefully as just you know paying respects. She uh, was found dead in her home. By her mother, this was in Little Rock, Arkansas. The coroner, the coroner told them that she appeared to have died two days earlier. No foul play. And then the coroner didn't release an official cause of death, but the mother said that her daughter had suffered from idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura, which Whoa. In the, what? It's, it's low level platelets keep blood from clotting and lead to bleeding and bruising. She says, because she had this thing, the mom suspected, I think this may have been a part of the problem when she passed away because I found her. When I found her, she had a purple look on her neck that looked like blood on the surface. Weird. So just a really, I don't know, pretty tragic but yeah. specific way. But yeah, but I, I mean, I clearly love this movie. Other people love this movie. So I'm glad we have her mm -hmm. uh, immortalized and really, really uh, did a lot to, I think. As I said, the uh, actor's made up for uh, the lack of direction in some areas. And yeah. that opening scene, honestly, both of them did uh, a big part to help me enjoy this movie. So thank cool. you, Lisa Blount, and rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Well, we did it. Yes. Dead and buried. Dead and buried. So uh, what do you think? Should we... Um... I hope people watched it because it was good. Yeah. If you didn't, definitely watch it. Watch it. So watch let's it. do my turn. No, recommendations. I am rereading... Well, I'm not even rereading. I never f really finished World War Z, the book. 
and I picked it up the other day and was like, maybe I should fucking give this another go. And I'm I'm enjoying it much more than I did the first time I tried to read it. So that's mine. Cool. It's Max Brooks. I loved the zombie survival guide so much I got it when it first came out, oh, which yeah. was the precursor. Yeah. But then like this is again, you know, I brought up earlier, all of a sudden when everyone gets on board, it makes me I feel know. weirder about liking the thing. I excitedly bought World War Z, but never read it because like everyone was telling me it was the greatest thing, which is so stupid. I know. Like, I know, but it is a thing and you kind of just have to wait until you're ready. Yeah. That's I, that may be part of why I didn't get into it initially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great. It's, it's cool. Your recommendation too. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, I want to recommend Ed something kind of coming off of last week this segued nicely from last week's evil ed remember we were kind of talking about how there's a certain spirit in those movies bad taste the early you know first evil dead those filmmakers early films where it's like there's clearly like you could just say you could you could rag on it for the low budget uh but it's it's it, you don't at all because yeah. there's such a vision behind it mm-hmm. and such an enthusiasm behind it that sort of you know stems from I think their youth and all those things is what wasn't working in Evil Ed for us was lacking Evil Ed. So I saw uh, the film Murder Party recently. I've been meaning to watch that because that director Jeremy Solner, dude. So Green Room and Blue Ruin are on, two of my favorite fucking and he has an, a newer one on netflix now called like hold the dark or something i haven't watched oh, it oh yeah it's the alaska yeah sort of um but wait, this missing was, person or this something. was a while like a good amount of years you know and it was you can see it on display he's made this film murder party with his friends like in their early you know mid-20s kind of thing it looks like mm-hmm. but it totally captured that same spirit of like when you see those other filmmakers that you know we look up to early films of mm-hmm. like it like it even though it looks shoddy blah 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 and like some stuff doesn't you know fire it's just so good like what it ends up being how they do end up making interest how they're all that they pull off with what they're working with yeah making it interesting in the end make it it's really fun uh i recommend dead murder party as a cool. sort of like m- really interesting more modern equivalent of whatever nice. those other yeah. films were all right i yeah i've been meaning to actually put it on so i'll watch it soon cool Cool, All man. right, now where's that hat at? Uh, it's hiding. Aha. It's your turn, right? Yes. All right, next week's film. All right, we will be watching, I think it's an Ots film, Ghost Ship. <laughs> oh, man. Ghost shit is probably more <laughs> like it. <laughs> This was a, I remember this a friend existing. of ours. Uh, one of our one of our re- a friend of ours on Instagram. This is oh, yeah? this is their recommend. This is a film that I saw was a favorite of theirs. So uh, <laughs> cool. I'll, I'll give her the uh, shout out for next episode. I don't remember if I've watched this. I'm like, th- well, it looks. I to remember me like it existing. It, the vibe for it for me was kind of like looked like it was Thirteen Ghosts, which yeah. was one of those movies where at the time it's like you kind of not love it or hate it, but love it and hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because yeah. there's so much. <laughs> but I think now that we're separate from them, like 13 Ghosts is one that I'd be curious to go back and rewatch. You know, we're like... I... Because you love Matthew Lillard? <laughs> well, yeah, and to- Matthew Lillard, <laughs> Tony Schlub, Shannon Elizabeth. It's true. They're yeah. all in it. You yeah. have the ghosts are just so cool in that movie. And like yeah. the practical design and the kills, like 
how much of it is that um but but then like i guess it's where it's at the time where it's like where we go oh it's just one of these other like you know just crappy kind of hollywood blah 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 well that's going to be the, the i think that's what we'll find either working or not working with ghost ship is right. like how hollywood is it but the, i guess what i'm pointing out is i think because those are more now specific to a time rather mm-hmm. than sort of, oh, the movies they're making nowadays, right. maybe they'll be better for it. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm curious. That's This is this will be a fun one. Exactly. I'm <laughs> curious too. All right, well, watch or don't watch Ghost Ship with us for next week. But if you didn't watch uh, <laughs> if you didn't watch Dead and Buried, um, well, we, we did, uh, fucking spoiler alert. <laughs> we did... Uh, <laughs> Get, get into it a lot but i could say you watch that that was really yeah. good but if not yeah ghost ship next week cool um so yeah we have a website dismemoryhorror.com we have an instagram just what was that yeah <laughs> you know all these things we don't need to say horror.com do do say, say it loud say it proud mm-hmm. we worked real hard on that website mm-hmm. fuck mm-hmm. yeah get to all our old episodes there we're on the itunes we're on the jiggle we're on it all <laughs> Check it out. Yep. My name's uh, Tim Aslan. You can find me there. Yeah. I'm Ryan McDuffie. You you go down to that little bio section, our bio section on our website. Mm -hmm. You get to our links there. Cool, guys. Thanks for listening. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, see you next time. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye.